you know, what is it like to dig through theories and ideas that are unique? Uh, that's uh, part of what we call the truther movement. But yet also our guest today knows what it's like to have misplaced, shall we say, in today's value, over $5 million in BTC, Bitcoin. Let's find out more. This is the Swarm Unplugged podcast, where we get to know the B social community and encourage others to join us. With hundreds in the community, we want to get to know all of you better. From the newbie to the expert to the project partners, we will be learning who they are and how they can best benefit from B social. I'm Christopher Knight, so let's get started. It is so much fun to uh, to experiment and to dig down deep into all kinds of things that are happening in today's crypto world. And in fact, in the world in general. And we know that there are people with have all kinds of different opinions. And that is fantastic because that's what makes the world go round. But we have a special guest today who understands it in depth and also completely understands and deeply, excuse me, not completely maybe, but deeply understands the crypto world and how it affects everything that's going on. He's been in it for a while. He's had his ups and downs, and he's going to talk to us about those. But before I bring on our special guest, I need to introduce uh, by contract because I don't really like introducing him because he, he doesn't bring anything to the show. It's just... I just have to do it because we agreed to it. Lawyers got involved and there's money I could lose if I didn't let him on. So therefore I have to introduce my, my co-host, Tony Gay. Oh gosh. Yeah. What do you, what do you, do you need your, do you need your helper? You need, you need, your, you need your home care. Provider now or what? Well, I, I told you never interrupt me when I'm in the middle of my Nutella six and a half yeah. pound bucket. This is yeah, I see it. Yeah, I see it's it. A, well, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, did that, why don't you clean your mouth off? It looks really, really bad. Get grief. Come on. Uh, Doesn't everybody have six and a half pound Nutellas? Did, did your home it's care? Tough. Did your home care person not show up today? Are we doing this live? Well, last time I looked, we were, but I just wondered if your home care person showed up because they usually, you know, show up and help you in the morning so we can do this properly. I'll, I'll clean up. I'll clean up. Okay. All right. How you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm so good. You can't even imagine how good I am. But you, are, you come. Why are you so good? Tell me why you're so good. Well, because, because you're in I the crypto have, world or why? Oh, well, you know, the crypto world's always growing and active, but... No, I'm not good because of the crypto world, because it's it's got too many ups and downs. I just kind of follow along and hope for the best. My goodness gracious. Get on the train. But you're the conductor, and that's what makes me feel safe. I do like to make people feel safe. This is a, You're in a safe place right here, okay? Yeah. And as long as there's Nutella around, yeah. you're oh, very yeah. safe. Yeah. Chocolate answers. Chocolate answers everybody's problems. Okay, I know, especially I, Nutella. If anybody watching has seen a bucket of Nutella that big, I'd like to hear from you in the comment section right now because I have you, you never seen anything you, like this listen, in my life. You know what's really sad about this? This is six and a half pounds, and look, a third of it's already gone. <laughs> that's, that's what tells you. That's what tells you what goes on in this house. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the reason you're about 20 pounds overweight, too. Okay. Uh, really? Yeah, go there? Yeah, For okay, real? well, you know, just, I'm just saying, you've got, you've got to do some workout. You, you, where's, once upon a time. This, this is where we need my technical uh, superior back, back room guy to come and help me out. This is when you should have got rid of him, Rick. You should have hit that Rick, button. Rick's not, Rick's not involved in this at all. And while you're lifting weights and you're, private weight room, which I know you have in that home right there and uh, doing your flip up and down, you know, back straightener out, whatever that's called. Uh, you inversion table. Oh, inversion table. Yeah. Right. Okay. But you know, we have an inversion of our own and that's our guest today. 
I'd and love to meet him. That inversion table is our own special guest, Jaron Campy. Jaron, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm just seeing your thumbnail now. It's actually Jaron Campanella, but uh, we can go with oh. Jaron. We can short it up if we want. It's no big Thank deal. We will change it immediately, my friend. We apologize. That's what we. Deal. That's what we show. I guess I think that's what we show on your, your show or whatever else. Who knows? But we apologize, and we will make that change. Thank you so much. I, I put that in there just to see if you were going to catch it, Jared. Nice, so you nice. just passed. You yeah. passed the I first scored points. test. I scored points already. See. Yeah, Great. you got the first test. Well, you, well done. You have, and I, I have commented on this before. But I want everybody to look right now. You know, on, uh, go full screen, and I want you to look at Jaron's background in this on this set. It is unbelievable. Look at that stuff. Whoa, this guy's high tech. You know? Yeah, right. Those are uh, foam bricks, by the way. They're not real. They uh, cost about eighty uh, bucks to do that one side of the wall. Hey, you don't. Yeah, you're not helping me with that. Come on now. <laughs> well, uh, although that that cool light back there was like a hundred bucks, so. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, it spin around yeah, a little bit I, and show the show the rope light on your chair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, those are two bucks. See what I'm saying? So you do things cheap. <laughs> that's fantastic. Cheap. Now, and but, you have yeah. you have three different podcasts, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess you can call them that. I've got a bunch of different shows and have had different shows in the past, and uh, you know, obviously dabble in the crypto and do some classes and do some. Uh, tutorials so i'm all over the place okay could be three right. could be five could be yeah i do quite a few all right it, it, it would, uh, give us an example of one of your shows so the channel is uh the youtube channel if you will is jaranism which is j-e-r-a-n-i-s-m it's you know not a religion it's just my name with ism at the end of it uh mm -hmm. kind of when i got into the truth whatever that was five six years ago uh, i just saw lies coming from what seemed like everywhere and so I kind of came up with the idea of uh, having your own religion based on your own beliefs and what you see and what you experience rather than being dictated by what somebody else tells you to believe, which is what everybody else believes in the world. They all believe um, things that they've never proven for themselves, but simply been told are true. And I wanted to get away from that. So I came up with Jaronism. And if for you, it would be Chrisism, right? Um, so there's always, you know, for each person, it would just be adding ISM at the end of the name. So that's how it started. It was a YouTube channel. I got to about 150,000 subscribers on YouTube over the course of quite a few years. And then, you know, with the adpocalypse, um, you know, that kind of killed me for a while. And then uh, they just started deleting old videos and giving me strikes. And I would go have two strikes and have to wait the six months or whatever it is, three months to be released. And then I would get out and get out of YouTube jail and go right back in. So it just became, uh, you know, a nightmare. And then I also had, uh, I had four strikes in two on two channels in one day that caused me to have to take down all my old videos to make sure I didn't get the channel deleted. So it's still there. You can still find the Jaronism YouTube channel. It's still it's stuck at 150,000 subs. That's called being shadow banned. And, you know, YouTube doesn't place people it doesn't like into recommended feeds. Uh, nobody's going to stumble upon my work. They're going to have to actually know my name. They're going to actually have to search for it. And they will never increase my count of subscribers. So that's one way that YouTube throttles down people it doesn't really like and, and we know how it is if you've been in youtube for a while you've noticed that it's not really a good place to talk truth anymore because they don't really allow that unless your your truth is the mainstream narrative in which case you can talk all you want about that so um once that started happening i had to kind of look out for other places so yeah i had a podcast on monday nights called uh, monday night raw uh which is kind of on a little break that was on the radio station tfr which is truth frequency radio and other than that i started it uh uploading my stuff and doing live streams from Rockfin is the name of the site. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a R-O-K-F-I-N.com. Uh, and it's a free speech platform where right now they're um, got about 225 or 250 channels and uh, no restrictions. So they don't care if you talk about the coronavirus or if they want to, if you want to talk about masks or you want to talk about vaccines uh, right now, they're allowing that and they pay you in a crypto token. They pay you in the RAE uh, token, which is a ERC-20 token on the Ethereum network. So it's pretty nice. I've liked it over there. And so I've got a couple shows over there. We do a Thursday show called uh, The Baby Truther Show. That's uh, Thursdays at noon. We do a, another Thursday show, which is a joke. It's like a parody. It's called GNN, which is supposed to be a play on CNN, where me and two buddies uh, sit there and read the news as if it were real. 
And which is funny, it's kind of a, a slap in the face to YouTube because we figure they can't take us down if we are reading what is the real news. We just do it in a way that conveys the fact that we think it's uh, nonsense. So uh, we do that on also Thursday afternoons. And then Friday, I do my own show, which is called The Jaronism Show. That's on Fridays at noon. On Sundays, I do a show called Globusters. That's on Rockfin as well and YouTube on the Globusters channel. So kind of all over the place. And then just uh, streams here and there um, throughout the week whenever I want to go live and talk about something. And then, yeah, I could keep going even from that. I do a, every other Friday night, we do a two-hour crypto class, a group class. And every first Saturday of the month, we do a four-hour uh, training as well. And uh, people who are a part of that um, join me through uh, Patreon. So it's nice. It kept me wow. busy. Yeah, that's an understatement. Wow. That plus, I got, plus I got a new, a new baby at home. So we're, we've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Before you got into all this, what did you do in your past life? So I was a store manager of a drugstore, uh, which before it was, it became CVS, which I'm sure everybody listening to the show has uh, been to that hellhole. But uh, before that, it was long drugs. And if you were, if you're from California or Hawaii or Nevada or possibly Arizona, you used to remember a great drugstore, a family run drugstore named uh, Long's Drugs. So I got started real early with them when I was 19, just as a cart collector, you know, go back placer and uh, kind of fell in love with the business. And uh, the store manager really took a liking to me and kind of told me, hey, the great thing about this company is when you become a store manager, you they basically let you run it like it's your own store. If you do well and make profit, they reward you uh, handsomely. If you you know do bad and, and, you know, cause the store to lose money, then they get rid of you quickly and replace you with somebody else. But the way they taught, uh, you know, how do you, how do you handle employees? How do you handle customers? How do you make them feel like part of a family? That's how you get return business. So the teachings that they had were, you know, very much the antithesis of what you get today. So if I was with them for tw uh, 11 years with Longs until they became CVS. And then I was a store manager from the time I was 24. So after about being in the company five years, I got my own store in Salinas. And then um, also got some really nice stores when I was there. The one in Monterey, California became mine. I got uh, the only 24-hour store in a, a big city called Salinas. So anyway, I was a store manager for a while. But then they became CVS, and it was like night and day. Uh, and I don't blame the Longs brothers for selling because I know how it would be. You spend your whole life building a drugstore like that. And then you got somebody like CVS that comes by and offers you multiple billions. Uh, it's just going to be too hard to say no. So we became CVS, and CVS is just a whole other beast. They are a corporation. They, I'll say it flat out, don't give a shit about customers, don't give a shit about employees. Uh, they're about the bottom line. They want monkeys working for them, not people who think. So I stayed with them for three, four years, as, you know, fought through it as best I could, and then I just got to the point one day where I told my wife, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Let's. Um, what are the chances that we could make it without me making this um, nearly, well, you know, six digits, I guess, after bonuses and things. And um, she said, no, if you don't like it, you shouldn't be there. So then we started trying to run our own uh, online bookstore. And we had both huge book collections. So we brought those together. We spent a long time loading them up on the website and thought we were going to be uh, Jeff Bezos Jr., but he slightly beat us out by a more successful bookstore than ours. Um, we had a hard time getting people to come to the site, right? So that's one thing. If you're thinking about building a website with products and you're going to sell, that's fantastic. And that's a job in and of itself, but that can be done. The hard part is getting customers there. <laughs> so uh, our bookstore didn't last very long. And then we started, I started making videos. I started writing for, well, for, before that, I started writing for some Bitcoin websites and did that for about a year and a half. And then after that, started making videos on YouTube and the rest is history. So that's about it. I ran a, I ran a drugstore. But when you made that transition, you got involved in uh, Bitcoin, didn't you? Correct. Yeah. So when you, um, you know, when you work from home, one of the things that you're afforded is time to research and study and look into things. Right. So before I used to work 70 hours a week, I was you know, out of the house every day by six, six thirty and not home till six thirty or seven and would work basically six days a week like that. And if I had a day off, I still was on call and answering calls and do this and we got to get this done. So I was just crazy busy. 
So when I quit the job, all of a sudden, my wife was loading books on the bookstore. I was uh, kind of setting up the website, but I just had so much free time. And there was nobody coming to the store. So we were just at the house, like, what do we do? What do we do? So I just started uh, really looking into things a lot, doing a lot of research. And I came across Bitcoin and thought, this is interesting. Thought that it was uh, different, unique. And I saw it as a way uh, to kind of hedge against the collapsing dollar. And so I started looking for... Uh, places I could work. And there was a bunch of, you know, this is right. This is about 2000. I, I quit my work in 2012. This is probably late 2012, early 2013. And I started looking for places online and there was a bunch of websites looking for writers. And I uh, applied it. Crypto coins news is one. It's not around anymore. You can still find the old articles. And then also at BitScan, which also isn't around anymore, but you can find the old articles there too. So at BitScan, I was the head safety and security writer. And with uh, CryptoCoins News, I was like a you know journalist, interviewer, would uh, you know go look, go research new projects, talk to their owners, uh, talk to the CEOs, and then write articles for that. So it was great. At both places, I was getting, you're going to hate this. This is a, a real bad, terrible pay. I was making 0.3 Bitcoin an hour, or sorry, an article. So... Real rough life. <laughs> Back then, Bitcoin was about 200 bucks, so it equated to about uh, about $75 an article, which would take me three hours or so to do in completion. So it was nice. I was doing that, uh, you know, racking up two or three articles with each website a week, and was uh, you know doing quite well. And at the time, I was trying to spend Bitcoin as much as I could, right? So I wanted to build this idea of digital money. So I was always on the internet looking for places that were taking Bitcoin, sending Bitcoin to people. If you remember back in those days, it was very easy to do microtransactions because the fees were incredibly low, like you know a penny or two pennies per transaction. People would just move money from wallet to wallet and just having fun. So it was uh, going well, but I ran into a couple of people who lost a ton of money doing crypto at the time. And again, I know a lot of people didn't know crypto back then, but if you would go back in time, you'd remember that a lot of these wallets would simply have a password. And if you forgot the password, you were SOL, completely gone. Your money was gone. I saw people lose it that way. Um, this is before even the idea really of seed words were around. It was just pretty much you had to have a password. So, um, yeah, I kind of got into uh, crypto, learning about it. But I saw a lot of dangers in it and I saw a lot of problems with it. And, you know, after a little while, you know, about a year and a half, I got discouraged with it and decided to uh, not write for those websites anymore. A lot of the reason was I, I didn't feel comfortable uh, as a head safety and security writer. Let's say I write an article. I never wanted somebody to pop on the website, read the article and say, oh, this looks easy. I'm going to go do all this and then possibly lose their life savings and then uh, come back and try and blame me, which is actually what happened. There was a, a reader who, uh, based on an interview I did, went to a website and dropped $80,000 there uh, in Bitcoin thinking they were going to get, it was like a mixer service, um, where you're supposed to get new coins cleaned or whatever. And anyway, the owner of the website just never gave his money back. And the guy came at me and said, Oh, I only went there because of your article. And so I kind of got disillusioned. I said, I don't want to be responsible for people losing that kind of money when I'm just interviewing people. And there's so many scams out there and there's so much opportunity for somebody to get, um, you know, do something dumb, send to the wrong address. So I basically just backed out and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And, uh, had about you know 45 uh, Bitcoin at one time on a paper wallet in a in my wall safe, and I told my wife you know hey we'll just I'm gonna start trying to make some videos for YouTube or it was about that time, and I said you know there's no money in that so what I'm gonna do is any money that we need at the end of the month, I'm just gonna sell Bitcoin as we need to sell it, and that's basically how I lived from 2014 through 2017 was. Uh, you know, I still made a little money here and there. My wife made a little money. The bookstore made, um, you know, about $1,500 or $1,000 a month. And so with all that combined, I would have to sell a Bitcoin or two at the end of uh, every month to make ends meet. And so we basically lived like that. I sold my last Bitcoin in 2017 for uh, about 1200 bucks. I think was the price in 2017. So, and we were stoked, right? At the time, my wife and I were stoked because if you think about it, I was being paid, uh, you know, like I said, about $75 an article. And so when fast forward a few years and you're now at 1200 bucks, you realize, oh, that's, I'm actually getting paid six times that, right? So 75 times six, uh, how fantastic, how much money I was making per those articles. But 
then you you know spend your last bitcoin and you're like i don't see it going much higher than 1200 and then it you know went uh you know the story from there but right i've got it i've got to interrupt just a moment but i understand yeah. though that there there was a time that you had 125 bitcoin that disappeared what happened on that no that wasn't mine so you're talking about the the story with the guy who lost 127 bitcoin that's right yeah tell us about that so that's the guy that I told you about. So I wrote, like I said, for uh, Crypto Coins News, my editor reached out and said, can you interview this guy? His name's Michael Moriarty. He's a doctor. He's from Stanford. He's got 200 Bitcoin sites that he promotes that he's the manager of. Can you reach out to him and get an interview? So I said, sure. So I interviewed this guy, Michael Moriarty, uh, emailed him and basically said, hey, um, you know, I work for Crypto Coins News. We want to do a story on you. He said, sure. Uh, I said, I'll ask questions via email. You can answer them via email. He said, great. So I asked him a bunch of questions. He answered them and I wrote the article. And I did uh, as much due diligence as I think I should have as far as I went and looked at his LinkedIn, got some of his information, followed around to some of his websites, looked at him. Uh, he seemed to be legit. And so I did the interview and we posted it. It was a good interview. Uh, and that was basically that. Then about, I'd say maybe two weeks after that, um, I got a strange email from a guy. His name is Ricky James. And he said, Hey, uh, can you do me a favor? Can you reach out to this Michael Moriarty for me? Because I sent him on his website uh, $80,000 in Bitcoin that I wanted basically cleaned, I guess is the way you would call it, laundered if you really wanted to. <laughs> this is what the website was. It was called BitLaunder. And it was, you send, you send Bitcoin there and it mixes up with other people's and then it comes out and it kind of clears your history. That was the idea of it back in 2013 or whatever. So, um, I reached out to, I thought it must be a mistake, right? So I reached out to this Moriarty guy who I had email contact with and said, hey, can you do me a favor? I've got a guy here says that he dropped $80,000. And he said, no, no, I've never gotten any kind of payment like that. So he says he did it. Said, nope, he's, you know, he's just, he's scamming you. I said, okay, whatever. So I went back to that guy and said, uh, I'm sure you have a transaction number or something, right? You can't just, you know, base that on words. He goes, oh, yeah, here's the, uh, you know, here's the transaction number. Here's my address. Here's the address I sent it to. You can go to the website and see that if you initiate a payment right now, it'll be the same address. So I'm like, well, that would be silly. I don't know how that would. So I go there and sure enough, when I hit uh, that I want to do a mixing of myself, of my own, the address that came up was the same address that this guy had sent to, 127 Bitcoins just days earlier. So I go follow that through the blockchain and sure enough, I can see the 127 Bitcoin getting there a couple of days ago. And from there, it was kind of sent off to some various addresses. So I went back to Moriarty and said, Hey, I can see on the blockchain that he did send you 127 Bitcoin. Uh, here's the date. Here's the transaction number. And here's the wallets that it's gone to since then. Uh, can you double check whatever's going on over there? So he came back and he said, oh, yeah, now I see that. Uh, I, I returned it to him. I, I already already did his payout. And I said, oh, great. Can I get the address? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, can I get the, the transaction showing that you sent it to this guy's address? And he's like, uh, yeah, let me look for that. You know, so he comes or like two, three days go by. I don't hear anything from him. So I message him again, like, Mike, this guy's going to go to the police. It's 80,000 bucks. I don't know. What are you thinking? And he says, well, you know what? Anybody who has that kind of Bitcoin uh, obviously got them through illegal means. And so I don't feel like I need to return them to him. And I said, what? I said, so you're being like a police officer and saying that he his funds are illegal. And he said, yeah. And I think if the police, if he, if he contacts the police, they'll say the same thing. Where did he get this $80,000? Um, and I keep saying $80,000, by the way, because that's what it was then. So 127 Bitcoins when this happened was $80,000, obviously different price today. Um, so he uh, basically, I, I went to this guy and said, he thinks you scammed for those coins or he thinks they're stolen. He goes, no, 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 I'll show him proof that, of what happened. I guess, you remember this? I don't know if you remember, there was a coin NXT. This guy had gotten invested in NXT very early and uh, had cashed out his NXT for 127 Bitcoin. What his problem was is he didn't know about Bitcoin at the time or didn't know a lot about it and was afraid that there might be some connection to those 127 Bitcoin with something nefarious in the past that he would have nothing to do with because he just sold his NXT for those Bitcoin. So um, by, by you know, so then he wanted to uh, basically get them cleaned so that they come out and they have no connection. Anyway, he dropped them there without any, no test. He didn't send five first or anything. He just sent $80,000 to this guy's site, which is kind of silly. Anyway, 
So the guy just kept it and basically said, oh, so I finally showed him proof. Hey, here's where the guy got his coins from. They're not stolen. They're not illegal. And he took a look at the evidence and says, okay, I agree with you. Um, he said, okay, I'm going to return them and, you know, um, you know, tell that guy to be careful. He shouldn't drop that much money on websites. And I said, I agree with you. Thank you so much. So the saddest part for me is when I told this guy, Ricky James, hey, he's going to return it. He wants your return address. Uh, we're on the phone and he breaks down crying. And he's telling me, thank you. So you have no idea this. I guess he told me he had $40,000 in the bank. He took it out without his wife knowing, bought this NXT coin. It basically doubled to 80000 He was pulling it out, getting Bitcoin for it, and was going to put the 40000 back in his bank account. His wife wouldn't know, and he was going to spend all this 40000 on whatever he wanted or, I don't know, buying more coins. So he was crying, saying, you saved my marriage. You saved my, my life. I, you know, very lucky. I said, yeah, okay. So... Um, Moriarty said, Hey, can I get his address? I'm going to send a test transaction. So we sent him his address. Sure enough, he sends 0.01 Bitcoin as a test. And, uh, we said, okay, we got it. And he said, okay, I'll send the rest. Uh, that was the last day I ever spoke with, uh, Moriarty. He simply never sent the rest that he owed. He, um, then went on a campaign against me. Uh, basically he bought my name.com, jarencampanella.com. And went and posted all kinds of stuff about me calling me a, a Bitcoin scammer and extortionist and that um, I was trying to extort him. And he would go to the Bitcoin talk forums and say that I was trying to extort him. And I would provide all the evidence showing, nope, this is the real story. This is what happened. But I realized then, too, people are impossible like that. This is why I got disillusioned with crypto is people like that are impossible to find. Right. So th that guy, obviously, that's not. His, oh, so then you look further into him. Of course, there is nobody by that name that's ever went to Stanford. Nobody by that name has a Ph.D., uh, there is no Michael Moriarty. In fact, I didn't know about Sherlock Holmes. I didn't realize the play on the character there. Um, <laughs> Dr. Michael Moriarty is a character from Sherlock Holmes. And uh, this guy had about 200 websites that were wow. uh, bit plastic, bit scan, uh, bit uh, armored, bit anything. And all the websites, if you went there, were completely and totally scams. He had a site called coin to pal It was, you go there and it would say, oh, turn your... PayPal into Bitcoin or your Bitcoin into PayPal. And let's say you said, okay, I want to turn my Bitcoin into PayPal. I would say, send your Bitcoin to this address and put enter your address here, your PayPal address, and we'll send you the cash. So people were just sending money to that Bitcoin address, and that was it. He would never send you anything. And your problem was if you went to PayPal and said, hey, I was trying to do this, PayPal would shut down your account. At the time, you weren't allowed to dabble in crypto in the PayPal world. So he had brilliant kind of scam set up and you know, what a scum lord to uh, basically and so I, I tracked money through his accounts and at one time he had uh, like i don't know 30 to 40 million sitting in various um addresses and that's much higher today that was back then when i was tracking him so hundreds of millions of dollars this person stole and i just couldn't track it anymore and he was an idiot too as well because i told him one day i know you're sitting on 140 bitcoin he would still email me this is years not years months later he would still email me back and forth like i would get his wow. answer but he would he would put like quotes from you ever read the book the prince by machiavelli um that kind of that kind of quotes he would write back just crazy creepy stuff he was off his wow. rocker but anyway i would tell him like how do you have all these you know you have this so much money and he would always say like how do you know that and i'd be like the blockchain dude i can follow the money through the blockchain <laughs> he didn't even know that he was just a scammer wow. and um serial scammer so anyway that's what told me oh shit, bitcoin's never going to work out long term right it's great yeah, we can trade money, we can do microtransactions, but it's not going to be a thing. Well, I, I didn't, I don't know if I thought it wouldn't be a thing. I just never thought it would gain uh, prominence because of these facts. Now, the one word that I didn't know about then that I know about now, which is why I, I feel people can learn a lot from, from the way I teach, is I didn't know about the word innovation, right? So I didn't recognize that all these problems that I had with crypto would be innovated upon and that people would get smart. So there is still scams out there. I mean, you guys know there's HYIP scams, um, websites all over the place. There's these Elon Musk things that pop up, like send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you two. And I used to feel like they were such a problem that they would be a hindrance, but I think it actually teaches people. I actually think if you fall for that trap one time, you'll never fall for it again. Uh, that was obviously an easier mistake to make back when Bitcoin was not worth anything. Um, but also at the same end, now that's worth so much, people aren't going to make the mistake of, seeing a website that says send me 0.1 bitcoin and we'll send you uh, 0.2 back because that's a very expensive proposition right 0.1 bitcoin isn't 20 bucks anymore 
Jaron, Jaron, uh, let's let's uh, change channels here just for a moment. Sure. I know that you uh, do a lot of your your training, uh, and I think you're really proud of what you do in the training area because you have so much experience. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you train, because uh, Be Social that we're on right now is very much into education in the crypto space. And so I'd like to know how you approach it. So my thought is that uh, I, I think anytime people trade, I think they get destroyed. So I think if you trade crypto, you will lose and it will um, you'll become disillusioned with it. Now, does it mean everybody loses? No. Does it mean you're going to lose every time? No. But I think it's just like a gambler's fallacy, right? A lot of people who are into gambling who will go to the casino five, six times, they love to tell the story about the one time they won 2000. And uh, that's all their brain remembers. And it doesn't, it forgets about the four or five times before that where you lost four or 500 each time, right? So our brains have a, you know, have a problem with that kind of remembering the good and kind of forgetting about the bad. And so I think people who trade, I don't think any of them really do well. I think there's bots out there that will destroy you. There's bots that can do arbitrage. They are watching multiple, um, you know, exchanges, grabbing things when the price changes or when there's a vast difference. And so I just think if you try and put yourself in there and you're playing little bits and little amounts, you're just going to get wrecked. Uh, so I think there's lots of traps out there in crypto. So what I teach people is what I should have done, which is to recognize that the world is going towards digital currency. Right. If I would have kind of and I was a head safety and security writer and I know way more much about it now than I did then. But if I would have realized, OK, here's this cat that's out of the bag now, the idea that somebody can transfer digits on a, uh, you know, on a ledger and that it can be done privately, it can be done uh, safely, it can be done without having to give up all your information, your social security number, all these things. If I would have recognized that and said this will be something in the future, despite its problems now. And if I would have recognized the difference between open source and what we get in the world today, what we get in the world today is a closed source world where when somebody comes up with a proprietary software or product, they go and they get a patent for it. They then can charge you an arm and a leg for it. They're the only ones who has it. There is no competition. And we end up paying through, uh, through the nose for it. In a crypto world where the codes are open source, uh, now you can have true innovation, which means that just because something is wrong with the Bitcoin network today doesn't mean that that same problem will exist in a, in a year. Now, could other problems pop up? Absolutely. But the things I had a problem with crypto back in 2013, actually almost all of them have been completely fixed. Uh, some things have gone the other direction, right? So back when I used it in 2013, the fees were extremely low. So it was a, um, you know, it was, it was fun to play with for that reason. Now today, fees got really higher. If you look six months ago when fees were outrageous, People might say, oh, I hate Bitcoin because of the fees. So I try and teach them, OK, the fees suck today, but there will be innovation that's going to improve this uh, in the future. There's uh, the ability for forks, uh, like what just happened with Ethereum and what will be happening with their proof of stake coming up. And so I also teach um, of what I should have done. Right. So it would have been better for my wife and I to put those 45 Bitcoin away and to say, all right, look, we think that might be worth something in the future. So let's put it away. Let's put a date of 10 years on it. We're not going to touch it for 10 years. And we're going to do whatever we can to make ends meet other ways. Because what we did is kind of said, okay, well, we'll use that if we need to. We'll, we'll live off that. So, of course, the problem with that is um, what happened to me. You basically then get, not get lazy, but it would have been better for me to work at Taco Bell for the last five years. If I would have worked at Taco Bell full time for the last five years, I'd be retired today. So that sucks, you know, to know that. But knowing that now, I still think we're very early in the game. I still think we're, you know, we're not as early as 2013, uh, but we are early in the fact that there's going to be projects that are appearing today, whether that's Cardano, whether that's, um, you know, Ethereum, whether that's the new Pulse fork, who knows? There's going to be things today that are going to be uh, hugely um, profitable or valuable 10 years from now. And if you can get a piece of it now and close your eyes to all the nonsense that goes on, meaning the FUD, meaning Elon Musk sending stupid tweets and causing the whole market to, to go crazy. If you can ignore that and not be one of these blockfolio guys that watches your money every single day, but somebody who is taking money that you have extra right now, we're in a period of time with COVID where people are being forced to stay in their homes. So it's a good time to 
not spend any money. My wife and I don't spend anything. We don't go on trips. We don't go on vacations. We, we don't buy new clothes. We don't, uh, we don't have a car payment. So when we cut off those things, we have a extra money at the end of the month. And we're able to put that into coins with the hope that we'll look, we'll look back in 10 years and hope we uh, pick the correct horse. And if not, you know, what are you going to do? At least we tried. I, I mean, I make YouTube videos, so it's, I don't have a pension. I don't have a retirement. Uh, it's hard enough for me to make ends meet on a month to month basis. So anything for me in 10 years, if I was to get to 10 years and all of a sudden some coin, I maybe Monero or something that I purchased now is increased in value in 10 years, then uh, hopefully there's something that I can call retirement. Um, and I think there's no other, there's no other area that there's nearly that much upside, right? So where I can put a thousand dollars away now or five thousand dollars away now, the upside of that potential upside in ten years vastly outweighs the potential downside. Which the only downside is, well, I, I lose the money that I put in today, which I'm never going to get ten years from now and look back and be like, oh my goodness, if we wouldn't have put that ten thousand dollars in those coins, think of everything we could have done. Because the answer to that is really nothing. What could we have done? Bought a used Honda, you know, maybe gone to Hawaii for two vacations, you know. Jaron, you know, there's there's a question here. You've got, uh, and you have uh, always kind of had a, a plan back up as far as what you're saying right now. You're going to let it set now. You've learned that. So you're a holder now, not a, not a trader. Thank you. Now, now I know we, I know we have, we're, I know we only have a few minutes on this podcast. And the question that's going to take more time than we have is what is, what is a truther? You know, I really, I don't quite understand it all. I'm serious. I don't. What is it all about? Well, do you think you've been lied to about certain things in uh, reality or what, you know, do you believe the, the mainstream news? Um, you know, do you think they're actual investigative journalists or do they seem to be just an arm of the government? So I think some of us uh, at some point in our life have, and it usually requires you doing some research on your own and not simply believing what the uh, television tells you. And when you do that research on your own, you're going to discover that uh, the world is not as you have been presented. And I think that transformation is what somebody might call a, a truther, somebody who no longer takes at face value the things that they've uh, just been told are true. And so I think there's lots of different kinds of truthers. There's 9-11 truthers. There's you know various hoax events that have happened or false flags throughout history. That's um, somebody who calls themselves a truther would be aware or awake to all those things. And one of those things you can be aware and awake to is the you know Federal Reserve scam um, and the central banks and what you know fiat currency has done and deflation, I mean, inflationary currency has done and what it continues to do. If you haven't gone and filled up your car with gas, uh, do that today and you'll see you know the price is uh, quite a bit higher than it was and everything is. You know, Go shopping for groceries and you're going to spend twice as much today as you would have two years ago. Uh, just all these things are signs of a crumbling economy and a crumbling world really. And so, um, yeah, a truther is somebody who just tries to dig to the bottom of these things. And for myself, I just, you're going to hear some strange opinions or ideas coming from me. And it's because I have no problem just saying what I really feel, right? My honest opinion. And while people might say, oh, I get that all the time. If you think about it, you really don't. Anybody on TV is reading a teleprompter that was provided to them, a script that was provided to them. Uh, for the most part, even things on YouTube, uh, are all scripted and what you're told to say and not what you're not allowed to say with me. I do the opposite. Uh, I say I'm the opposite of mainstream. You're just going to get my real opinion. And I'd rather get to the end of my life and be wrong about every single thing I believe. Uh, but I came up with it on my own rather than to live a life like a, a robot or a parrot. Uh, these people who think that they're smart, but all they really know how to do is regurgitate, right? Which is what this country has created. If you get good grades in school or you do well getting promoted, all it means is that you um, are really good at repetition. You're really good at memorization, regurgitation. Uh, you didn't discover anything. You didn't come up with anything on your own. You simply are a product of the system. And, you know, think about it. If us three were rich and powerful and we're sitting at a big table um, and we're talking about how we're going to you know, look at our future, you know, probably if we're, especially if we're wicked or evil, we're not going to say, hey, how do we, make sure that all the children in the country um, can eventually have a chance to take over our power and our wealth. What they're going to say is, how do we make it so that we keep all these people uh, down so that they don't ever try to usurp our power or our money? And that's what you get with the education system in today's world. That's why it's free. That's why it's um, 
You're letting the state raise your children, and your children are coming out as tax slaves who believe exactly what they're supposed to, and they don't learn any real-world skills or any money skills or learn about credit card debt or um, inflation or any of that stuff. What they learn is you know, algebra and things that uh, 1% of them will ever use in their adult life, and they uh, basically just keep you going with busy work, and they promote the people that answer questions well. So a, tr a truther is somebody who recognizes that and uh, no longer is part of that game. And so uh, it's a growing community of people who just know that they're being lied to. So now we can see things like COVID on the news or something, and we cannot just default to let me be scared for my life and let me uh, run around promoting uh, you know, this government propaganda. And we can actually be alert and aware of what's really going on and try and inform people about that. Tony, what's your, what's your opinion on this? You know, I think that um, Jaron's got, uh, I think what he's saying is don't believe everything you hear and see and, and listen to because there's, be smart and obviously take it in and, and not be what I call a sheeple. A lot of people are sheeple, they just follow. And so uh, I think what uh, Jaron, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think what you're saying is, hey, use your brain, you were given it. And just because of what you thought you were conditioned of doesn't mean you shouldn't question it. So I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah, um, that's it. That's it. There's so many things that I was, I was taught were just fact and couldn't be questioned. Um, you know, evolution, right? I mean, if you go to school or you're in college or anything, pretty much that's taught as uh, scientific fact. It's got all the evidence, everything's backing it. And so you just, you know, chalk that up as being true. And then you get to a certain point in your life. And if you start looking into that area and asking questions about it, uh, you'll get shamed and called a religious person or a religious zealot. And, it, you know, it's but it's all by design because it's meant well, to. You know, you Jaron, bottom line is if if everybody was sheeple, we wouldn't have cryptocurrency right now and be where we are. We, we wouldn't be yep. here. So obviously some people have broken the mold and, and starting to. And I really like crypto. Points. I really like the crypto community. Um, I don't. I would say more than the, the truther community. I'll tell you why. One community is very um, uh, hopeful, and that's the crypto community. The crypto community is a hopeful community, thinking of uh, solutions and answers, and what are we going to do? To and that's I like that, right? Even if because I get people tell me all the time, "Oh, Bitcoin was created by the CIA," and you you're falling for a rich man's trick or something, whatever. But I tell them, well, you know what? If the alternative to that is just to lay down and let the central banks uh, continue to enslave the world with <laughs> Uh, fiat dollars, then I, you know, what are you trying to argue against? I said, for me, I'd rather look back and be like, hey, at least I tried. Hey, at least I tried to go up against these guys, right? So, um, and then the truther community, the only th reason I say they're not as hopeful is they tend to see the doom and gloom going on, which right now there's quite a bit. And they're the ones who were warning people back when this first started, don't wear a mask. Now, everybody was saying that's insensitive of you. You're going to kill grandma. You got, you know, these masks are the greatest scientific you know, invention ever. And the truther community was saying, no, it has nothing to do with the wearing of a mask. The problem is if you give them an inch, they take a mile. Uh, it'll never go away. They'll keep building off of this. Um, and I did a video back 14 months ago, 15 months ago, uh, called Why Masks Will Equal Vax. And I told people, this is way before the vaccine, any thought of it coming out, when it would come out. And I told people, if you continue to wear these masks and you fall for this trick of, oh, you're wearing it for their safety you know you're doing it for their health and then it also protects you but you're really doing it for others because you're a real giving person and loving person that the same line will be used for the vaccinations when they come and i said if you wear it because i have to wear it because my job says so so just so you know in the near future you will have to get the vaccination because your job says and it would never happen then when i was talking about it, it would have been impossible for them to pull something off like that but by people falling for the mask i saw what was going to happen it was just going to be and it's exactly where we are now, which is now you do most jobs have to have the vaccination. And so we were the ones warning people of what was going to happen if you give. And this is history. Just look at history and you can see anytime tyrants get um, control, they never relinquish it. In the history of the world, there's never been a tyrannical government that has given the people back their rights. It's never happened. Uh, not once. Uh, what happens is you've got to end the tyrannical government. And that's unfortunate that we're in that place now. Uh, so that's kind of the truth or community noticing that. So it's a little bit more uh, cynical uh, of a community than the crypto community, which is more hopeful. 
So I like the hopeful community because I'm not a doom and gloomer guy. I'm not somebody who thinks the world's going to end. I don't. There's a lot of people, religious people, that might think Jesus is coming back or think that um, there's going to be some sort of uh, event that you know wipes everybody f- from the earth. Yeah. And I don't think that. I think we just have evil people in charge who have taught the world to be very complacent and to sit back and kind of watch as evil unfolds and not do anything about it. So I forgot what the quote is that, you know, um, you know, atrocities happen when good men do nothing. Right. Which is kind of where we're at now. They've taught people to, to not do anything, but you're right with crypto. Somebody did do something and whether that's Satoshi or whoever, and I always get people who tell me, yeah, but we don't know who created it. Who's this Satoshi? I'm like, who created the dollar? Give me a break. I mean, of course we don't need to know who created the, do- oh, I'm not going to use that dollar bill because I don't know who created it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, we don't know who created it, but you can actually go check out the code yourself. You can see that every single coin, and there's hundreds of thousands of coins at this point, are all based off of the uh, the Bitcoin protocol. They all came from Bitcoin. If it wasn't for Bitcoin, none of that would be there. So uh, it's not created by the CIA. The things you can do with crypto uh, tell me that wholeheartedly. Is it leading people down a, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a transhumanist agenda or a digital agenda? Yeah, I do think it is. It might even pair up with this whole idea of the COVID pass coming, some sort of, maybe they incorporate everything. Now all my payments and everything, my dollar coin, my government issued dollar coin will be on my phone and my vaccine update status and how many boosters I've gotten. That all may be part of our future, unfortunately, but uh, digital money is not going to go away. It's going to be here. It's not like in 20 years, you're going to wake up and there's going to be no such thing as crypto coins. That's ridiculous. Uh, Even if Bitcoin got hacked tomorrow, uh, because there was a flaw in it or something. Well, the next day they'd be building uh, a safer and better uh, crypto. It can't, it can't go away because of the law of big numbers and what computers are capable of. There's just not a computer capable of guessing a private key correctly. Right. Okay. It, uh, as, as we reach the end of this particular episode, Tony, do you have any final questions you would like to throw uh, Jaron's direction? Yeah, I do. I want to do what I do quite often. And that's ask you if you would grace us with your presence again, because uh, I love what you have to say. We don't have enough time to cover it, but I think there's an awful lot more that you have to offer, Jared. So I really hope that you would uh, come back and visit us again. Is that something you would consider? If we promise there's no more me dancing or. Well, I don't I can't make that promise. I figured that. I, figured I, I, I wasn't in control of that. Our, uh, our, uh, our back room. Uh, Rick Shear, who's, uh, you know, he, I, I can't just take all the blame for that. Rick had something to do. He was pushing the buttons. So, you know, Way to go, Rick. To pass the blame. Yeah. I'm just saying. You yeah. Know. And it, uh, it, and also as you, Jaron, as we close out, anything you'd like to say to our, our, our audience uh, today before we close out? No, I mean, if your audience is, is going well with crypto, they, um, you know, may not need stuff that I have. Um, and you guys might be doing a good job of, of teaching, but, I do have a, a patreon.com slash Jaronism for $10 a month. You get all of the back classes. Uh, so, you know, like I said, we do two hours every other Friday, four hours every first Saturday and everything that we've done in the past for just 10, you can sign up today for 10 bucks and you would get immediate access to all that. So there's a beginner's 101 class. There's a uh, 102 class. There's how to hold, how to create a wallet, how to buy, how to, you know, kind of your little, all the steps through holding crypto. So if somebody's interested in that, they can do that. And um, also, if you're interested in consultations, I do uh, consultations, which usually are for people that are a little bit timid or don't know how to get their feet wet, right? Because um, it's a scary thing, right, to jump in. And so I kind of help you know hold your hand through the initial uh, purchase, say, at Coinbase or, or Crypto.com or Kraken, uh, talk to you about you know security and privacy as far as you know what wallets to hold, which ones are KYC, which ones aren't. And then kind of making your first purchase with you, getting your first coin, um, securing it, teaching you how to do, uh, maybe install your ledger, you know, hardware wallet, that kind of thing. So those consultations are available at uh, jaronism.com slash crypto. And uh, yeah, if people know Jeff Berwick, Jeff Berwick announced me or you know mentioned me on one of his shows a couple months ago. And that uh, really just, uh, I had like 200 people sign up for consultations then and i've just now we've just now kind of cleared that schedule to where there's some more openings now so anyway that's available the patreon like i said if you like the truth content if you're interested in hearing more about that uh rockfin.com slash jaronism and yeah some of us have some uh you know things that we think are not what you've been taught one of those even being believe it or not 
the shape of the world that you live on. So look into it, do the research. Very good. Uh, you know, this, this has been absolutely unique and special. Jaron, you are, you are absolutely as diverse as any person we've ever had on the, uh, <laughs> Thank on, you. on the podcast. And we, we so much appreciate it. Uh, the diverse uh, atti attitudes, opinions, everything else, I think it's what really improves our world. I truly do. Uh, if we can't just think one way, we've got to be more diverse in our thinking process. Well, well and think about so, the world today. The world today, they try and make it that if you don't think exactly like they tell you're exactly like everybody else, uh, you're you know demonized and hated. And uh, that's yeah. ridiculous. I don't want anybody to believe the exact same thing as me. And the only people I really enjoy listening to are the people that give me their real honest opinions on things. And I hope that it's different than mine. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you weigh two things. Which option's better? Which one fits my life better? So, uh, no, I encourage people to look past the mainstream news. In fact, I would beg you to turn it off. So, you understood. Jaron, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. And Absolutely. as uh, Tony said, I want to come back in and really de uh, dig a little deeper into the trutherism and some of the questions that someone might bring up. Well, I ask actually the audience to bring in some questions and let you dig in a little deeper with them. How about that? Sounds good. I'd be up for that. All right. That sounds great. Thanks again for being with us, my friend. Hey, thanks guys for having me. Appreciate it. All right. And Tony, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I, you know, the only problem I've got with this whole show was, was somebody said that, uh, that this isn't real chocolate. And right now I just want to get back to it. So thank you. And I will catch you guys next week, maybe. So it's, thank it's you. Been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. My, uh, See ya. my friend. Okay. Bye. Thank oh, you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do with anybody now at this point. And as he said, you know, it's time to speak out, uh, you know, and so forth. I definitely am one of those that do that. As uh, anyone that's watching this knows about me, but we are we are there uh, in uh, spirit to help everyone be more successful. I know Jaron treats it that way. He wants to make sure people reach out and uh, grow their lives as they should be grown. And I really appreciate that part of what he's doing. So thanks everyone for being a part of this episode. Uh, the Swarm Unplugged. Always remember to listen. Oh, excuse me. I want to back up here. Let's not forget. I want to thank uh, our technical director, Rick Shear, my very special co-host, Tony Kay, and for all the work that they do to make this a very special event. Always remember to listen, learn, and give. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Swarm Unplugged podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button and leave us a glowing comment. Gravitate yourself to be on the podcast so you are the next one to introduce themselves to the B-Social community. See you on the next episode.